0: This week on The Futurists, Monty Manford.
1: Even though I'm a bit terrified of generative AI, I am not going to ignore it and I'm not going to be bemoan it. I'm going to be part of it and I want other people to be part of it as well. All
0: right. Well, welcome back to the Futurist this week. Uh, we we are bringing one of our mates onto the show. Um, welcome back, Rob. Hi, good to see you, Brett. Um, we are we we're recording a ton of stuff lately, so um, a yeah. lot of good content in the in the can. But today um, we are bringing on a friend of ours, a, an unconventional um, futurist, a international man of mystery. Um, I think of him and, as the.
2: I think of him as the unfuturist.
0: The unfuturist, and and a uh, a world renowned journalist, has uh, done work with the BBC amongst others, uh, and uh, um, you know, uh, uh, obviously on the speaking circuit and so forth. Monty Munford, welcome to the futurists.
1: Thank you Brett it's lovely to see you on screen as opposed to in the flesh you were at my club a couple of weeks ago Well right? we
0: did you know we did catch up in London um you know a couple of weeks ago which was 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 great uh, it's it's been a while and of course you know we had a bit of a uh, a, re, a reunion of sorts of uh, a bunch of um um you know speaking guys on the speaking circuit as well so which is always good fun Okay um, which club in London sorry. For the
2: curious. The Century,
1: the Century Club. It, the, yes. the Century Club. It's for the cool for the cool guys, uh Rob. Nice. So you have so you have Soho House down the road, the Groucho Club, which is the literary club. Uh but the Century Club is a bit media, but it's got the best rooftop rooftop terrace in nice. London. It's like amazing, actually. Just but just by Piccadilly Circus.
2: Right on. That sounds
1: like you're, a fun Yeah, you're yeah. welcome anytime anytime I will Here. host you there.
2: Here in LA, we're finally starting to copy that idea of a club, and it makes a good deal of sense because there are a lot of people in LA who don't want to go to a restaurant because they'll get hassled. Absolutely, and yeah, so absolutely. Um, they're doing the same concept. It, it's it, basically they just lifted the concepts from the from London and uh, replicated it here.
1: Private. Well, clubs. I, mean, it, I mean, to be honest, if you, if you, if you go to about five members' club within you know hundred meters, you know it's great. Yeah. But I like the century you know. But I, yeah. I, I like the idea of the unfuturist, um, Rob. I, I was going to call myself the reluctant futurist, just like the reluctant uh, fundamentalist. That, that's
2: exactly how I think of you. Uh, you you look at all these novel technologies with um, kind of a questioning mind. You know, you 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 look at them, and you say, "Well, hang on a second here. Let's let's rethink this. Let's be cautious about how we proceed." There's so much new technology coming at us now. Uh, it feels like a flood, right? And um, And I often wonder how much of this stuff we want or need. What's your take on the current, like what? what, Put your finger on the pulse and tell us how are things from your viewpoint from your viewpoint in London right now.
1: Well, I think I mean I think that I've had probably about five years of trying to do as many analog things as possible because I you know before the pandemic I was you know I was I was going into shops I wasn't using apps I you know I collect my own food I buy my own my own clothes because I thought there was a storm coming, and I think that's clearly been accelerated by the pandemic, Uh, and people are getting used to living. I mean, people are kind of quite happy to let this technology reign generative AI, because that is the word, narrowly, disruptive. And and I think it's already disruptive, you know what I mean?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it's beyond disruption now. It's almost like overwhelm. I think people have been uh, shocked into submission. You know, we're we're stunned by the new, and the you know, the pandemic was a part of that. Where we start to begin to become passive, we just accept those new te- these new things that are thrust on us.
0: Well, that's probably a good point. We just normally cover off some news items, uh, Monty. So w- let's uh, do that quickly, and then um, you know we'll, we'll dive back into the conversation. I, I had a news item which appeared in the uh, New York Times this week um which is news of a new, in a new study researchers used a device to connect um the brain of a paralyzed man back to you know through his dam- damaged spinal cord using a cortical modem or digital bridge um mm-hmm. bypassing injured sections of his uh, spinal cord enabling him to walk he's been paralyzed for 12 years so this is uh you know th- this is a long-term um, injury uh, the uh, gentleman in question um, he's is uh, based in Switzerland his name is Gert, Gert Jan and hmm. um, uh, the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology helped uh, build these uh, special um, cortical modems uh, or cortical modem um, technology uh, uh, to enable him to um, to walk again, which is uh, pretty incredible. Uh, yeah,
2: that's astounding. So technology. it's a it's a, a cortical modem that enables uh, a paralyzed person to walk. That's quite a recovery. Absolutely. Okay. Well, bright news here. I got a couple of news items as well for your breath this week. Um, sure. might be fun to share. First one is RoboCop, and I'm not kidding you. Uh, here in Los Angeles, uh, the LA Police Department got a donation of a quadruped uh, unmanned ground vehicle uh, that we would all call a robot dog. You've seen them from Boston Dynamics, yep. those scary things that kind of walk relentlessly, a little bit like the Terminator. Uh, so um, the police got this thing as a gift and the LA City Council had to vote whether or not to allow the police to use it. And they did. They just voted 8-4 to accept the donation of a four-legged robot dog for the use by the LA City Police in their SWAT department. Now they haven't mm. described what it's going to do, Um, but they did say that it will not ever be used, uh, for lethal situations and it won't be loaded with lethal weapons. Thanks for that. Because I really don't want a robot dog with guns coming after me. Thank you Um, for your cooperation. And for those who are interested in buying one, these come at the, at the hefty price point of $278,000. So that's, that's quite a donation. Uh, you know, LA police is interesting in the sense that they've been testing lots of different technologies from license plate readers to drones. There was a a moment in uh, about 10 years ago when the city of Seattle, uh, had bought a fleet of drones that the, that the citizens rejected. They went, uh, they resisted that. And so they ended up donating to the Los Angeles police who very happily accepted them. Uh, so here we have it, uh, Robot Cop. Next story is Blood Boy. Uh, Blood Boy, this is uh, really kind of gruesome and weird. Uh, there is a, a, a multimillionaire tech entrepreneur, a guy named Brian Johnson is here on the West Coast. He's about 45 years old and he wants to reverse aging. And he has been experimenting quite publicly uh, and quite openly with every type of rejuvenation technology that's available. Yeah. He's he's been willing to spend $2 million a year to do this. Um, But his latest gambit is to transfer blood from his son, a 17-year-old son, and they transfer a liter of blood at a time uh, from the son to the 45-year-old father. But they don't stop there. They then take the blood from the 45-year-old father and transfer it to his 70-year-old father. So we've got three generations of blood transfusions happening. And they literally take the liquid plasma, followed by red blood cells, uh, white blood cells, and platelets. And um, yeah, this is kind of an extraordinary process that he's documenting. So it's not like it's a secret or anything. But there is this kind of creepy vampire vibe to it. And, um, and it, it's not helped by the fact that a lot of tech entrepreneurs are, have been talking about speculating about uh, this kind of thing, you know, and and it, it sounds, it just sounds like the kind of weird thing, a weird, creepy, rich person. Well, you had that Peter Thiel,
0: um, yeah. you know, new blood thing, young blood thing. What was it called? The ambrosia, you know, where they, and, but that that's out of business now because it was shut down by the FDA, but um, there does appear to be therapeutic benefits from,
2: you um, know, yeah, the science is yet unproven, though. This is, yeah. like, way out there, right? So there's plenty of scientists who are like, hang on, that's a little bit risky. Um, wasn't, there a,
1: wasn't, wasn't there a story about the Rolling Stones doing that years ago? Going, uh, going, over, going to Switzerland to get well, that, blood uh, transfusions.
2: That would certainly explain how Keith Richards manages <laughs> to
1: stay uh, upright. His, well, his very- biggest
2: problem is his uh, alcohol blood content. <laughs> That's right. He's preserved. He's already embalmed. So uh, the the last story here is actually quite timely because you know in Los Angeles we're having a writers' guild strike, and among the among the um, elements of that strike is a protest against the advent of AI in the screenwriting process. Uh, the writers want to be able to control it. They're not seeking to ban it, but that is part of their their objections. That's the first uh, union uh, labor action against uh, automation like that against uh, AI. Well, as it turns out, another uh, group has been displaced already. So today we have the first uh, company that has fired its entire staff and replaced them by a chatbot. There is a um, there's a call center, a call line for the National Eating Disorder Association. And this week they fired their entire staff. Uh, The staff had been under a great deal of stress since the covid pandemic. Uh, dealing with people who have eating disorders, they get about 70,000 calls a month and they do provide very important support for them because some of those people require multiple calls, multiple interventions. Uh, and the staff, the staff themselves were feeling kind of stressed out. And so they decided to unionize, devoted to unionize. And in a preemptive strike, the management of that association came in and said, no, in fact, we're gonna terminate the entire staff and replace you with a chat bot called Tessa that was developed by the University of Washington Medical School. And even the people that developed that uh, chatbot, they're very quick to point out that this will not replace a human in terms of the quality of care or the kind of attentiveness. It's not chat GPT, so it's not as responsive. It's just this pre-scripted bot. So there's a lot of questions being raised right now about whether this is uh, an adequate solution. Uh, at any rate, that's happening here. So from uh, from the West Coast of the United States, we've got all these crazy stories this week. You know, uh, the,
0: the end of collective bargaining or, or the limits on collective bargaining and attack on trade unions in the 1970s is one of the biggest reasons why wage growth has basically been stagnant in the, the United States and, and the UK, arguably, you know, since since the 1980s. Um, yep. So for an economy that praises the free market um, so uh, frequently, um, limiting uh, the rights of employees to negotiate uh, better uh, better rates and, and better quality of employment and better conditions is, is not very free market in my my thinking. So but-
2: well, you know, it's interesting. It's a measure how much we've been conditioned to think um, in this neoconservative way. You know, right. the neoliberal policy, uh, their view is you know it's all about private enterprise um, and, uh, and and reducing the role of government and government interventions. and of course the, that's been the prevailing um, economic theory in the. US since yeah. the, since the 70s. and as, as you point out, uh, and we can trace income inequality to that exact same moment, the, the undoing of unions, uh, the, the loss of collective bargaining rights several supreme court decisions that are against union organizations uh, so all that added up together makes it a uh, tough you, headwind you
0: look at what's happening with um you know uh, the founder of Starbucks in the congressional hearings on this stuff lately you know it's uh, it is a it is a significant problem in the US but anyway let's get yeah. back to our guest monty monty so monty um have you unionized a <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I've always been a union man. I, and there's a great song in the UK charts when I was a kid. I'm a union man, and I shall fight for it while I can. So, but I think that's another thing that that goes with the future. You know, the the beautiful kind of socialist, idealist, utopian society I was expecting. I mean, I went on a kibbutz as when I was 22 years of age. It's just got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. You know, the agenda is the same. And and I I fear, I mean, those are pretty terrible stories that you just said there, Rob, from the West Coast. I mean, whether whether it's vampires or whether it's something else, I don't know. But, you you know, there's not much, there's not a great deal of good news out there. But um, so I think, you know, as a reluctant futurist, I've decided not to put my head in the sand and I've decided to join the show and I'm going to be part of it. What what are you... what?
0: What do you think, Monty, about the potential for um, technology-based unemployment? Generally, you know, Rob, Rob introduced the ChatGPT thing. I was I was watching Corridor Crew, which is a um, you know L.A. Uh, group of um, um, you know uh, CGI. Artists and so forth, engineers, and and one of the engineers was demonstrating some new AI based video processing technology, and mm-hmm. he showed that a previous um, work he'd done, which had taken him an entire year to produce this this movie with CGI, yeah. he could yeah. now do that in eight days with with yeah. AI based tech. You know, so mm-hmm. there is there is definitely. Um, you know I, I, I there's definitely going to be broad impact across many areas with with AI and and sort of the techno and employment but you hear a lot of economists argue well we've always created new jobs in the past and so forth but um I'm I'm a I'm a skeptic when it comes to our ability to create enough jobs quickly enough to replace the speed of which AI is going to disrupt employment what are your thoughts
1: well uh, well I've, see I've I've been speaking to some experts recently there's a danish guy uh in copenhagen called frederick r pedersen he's the founder and ceo of a company called easy translate which you would think right? they must be right in the crosshairs here you know what i mean a translation company but this guy he's got some very interesting ideas i mean i I was telling him a story about a friend of mine uh who's 15 year old had instead of cheating on She had put her essay into ChatGBT and said, mark my essay. Now, that's a little bit of genius, right? Because she comes back with, like, your your diction's okay, your your syntax and the typos or whatever. But have you you thought about this source? Or there's this source on the internet? So basically, she harnessed it. She prompted it as an engineer of sorts uh, to get something better for herself, right? Um, And that's a way of thinking. You know, that, that I think is there's going to be humans involved. So, what Frederick is doing with his company is that he's kind of, you know, he's absolutely realizes that they're, they're not pivoting from a translation company. Well, they kind of are to a content company, but creating content and then putting humans in the loop, in so much that, you know, generative AI and the humans in the loop will kind of roll together and create something better. But Apart from what he's doing with his company, it was he was quite interesting that he thinks that the the future is open source AI, and instead of it yeah. being large language machines, it's more likely going to be small language machines that are probably cheaper, better. I mean, it's pretty expensive to get into Chat GBT. You know what I mean? As it, as it is, but, and
2: that's already happening. I mean, there the, in the last two months, ever since um, ever since uh, Meta's llama uh, model was released yes. to the public domain inadvertently you know someone someone broke uh, the agreement and just posted it on on uh, 4chan um and as a result there's been this proliferation now of open source ai tools so much so monty that it's impossible to keep up i was trying to check them all out every day but there are now more than 100 new products released a day or 100 new apps a no, Absolutely. It's astonishing. And now there's whole newsletters that are devoted to this topic. So you can also fill your inbox with news about new AI things. It's a little bit overwhelming. I, I want to respond to what you just said about um, the teenager who was using ChatGPT to improve her writing. So there's no question, right? These tools can be useful. In particular, if you're not a great writer, they can be very useful because they'll make an average writer better. I don't know if they help a good writer that much, but uh, you know, <laughs> they can improve someone who's below average. Um, But it comes at a a cost. And this is one of the things I'm quite curious about because you have to retool, right? You have to to adjust your workflow. You're gonna hear this word workflow a lot in the next few months um, because everybody around the world is gonna have to adapt their workflow to incorporate AI. That means we have to learn new things. Um, And and bear in mind, nobody asked for this, right? None of us said, oh gee, I'd like to change the way I do my work, Uh, whether it's an attorney or a coder or a graphic designer or a copywriter or a screenwriter. All these people are gonna have to adapt to AI, but you won't do it once. You're gonna do it continuously because there's new tools being launched constantly. And so what's happening is we're being put on a treadmill where we have to constantly upgrade and upskill. Now we have had a couple of guests on the show who have been quite uh, blunt about this saying, yeah, that's how it's going to be. Suck it up, get used to it because that's the future. I'm just not sure this is a future that everybody wants. I think there are quite a few people who are quite content with their skill level and were, we're making a very good living, but now they're finding that they have no choice in the matter. If you want to stay competitive and viable, you're going to have to upskill constantly.
1: What's your take on so, that? Well, I, I would go back to a conversation that I had with Phil Libin probably about 15 years ago. Um, we were you know, when he was at the early stage of Evernote and we were just talking at uh, CTIA. I think that's where I met you, uh, Rob, many years yeah. ago. Probably. Um, God, those were the days. Um and, and he was saying that, you know, like the future is bright, you know, knowledge workers such as you uh, and me, we're gonna be fine, entrepreneurial, you know, basically intelligent people. Um, but I fear about the knowledge worker, you know what I mean? I consider myself one. I, I, I I'm a mentor slash angel investor, I'm a part time VC, I write for the Economist and the BBC and Coin, Telegraph, and Crypto AM. Uh, I've got a massive network that helps people raise money. Uh, I can, you know, there's a lot of things I don't just do one thing. But all of those silos, all those facets or aspects of my so called career are under huge threat. I mean, what if I I think of myself as a kind of scruffy futurist or a scruffy um, portfolio guy is that my network is amazing, right? And maybe what my skill is, is being able to use that network to connect two people that wouldn't normally meet each other. You know, that's very difficult sometimes to connect the right people. Um, and I do it in a certain way creatively. It's also
0: very difficult to monetize.
1: Well, it, 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 I, I've always found it okay to monetize, uh, Brett. I'm happy to offer you a webinar offline if you want me to tell you how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can show me how to raise my fee at speaking in No problem. It. Um, but, but it's, it's it, what about what about if ChatGBT... Goes through my network and and comes up with a better way for my network to connect with each other without me. I mean that's pretty damning. That's pretty bad for me, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm not 22, right? I'm, I've, I've managed to change the internet, changed my life because i had spent the first 15 of my years of my life on the roads and trying to have his history and memories, which I which I look back on with utter love now. I'm glad that I did it when I could. My son's been traveling; he's 20 university and he's you know he's, he's got the bug of the road as well but it's a very different road and i don't want to be an old guy that just says you know like it's the devil's work and you know it's you know ruining humanity but i'm kind of with you a bit rob you know what i mean it, it's not a particularly beautiful future especially if you don't have any money you know especially if you don't have a pot or anything like that you know what's what's the future for, for, for it's I mean, I'll, I'll probably someone will come up with some genius, and, and you know, I'll, I'll 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 tag along. But yeah, it is t- it's a it's a difficult time, I think.
0: the The rate of um, innovation is obviously speeding up, um, and and as you say, you know, like the requirement to update your skills and remain relevant is getting tougher and tougher. Uh, you know, and the, where I find the issue with this is let's take let's take truck drivers. You know, in, oh. in the States. You know, what is it? Um, two and a half, three million um, transcontinental truck drivers. These are drivers that drive from the east coast to west coast all the time. Oh. Um, they're at risk from autonomous vehicles at some point in the next decade. Um and, you know, as uh, um you know, others have pointed out the the ability to take those truck drivers and turn them into coders what what percentage realistically of, of those truck drivers is going to want to become a programmer 5% you know um and so what happens to to the others um well there might be a transition period for a time where they have to sit in these autonomous vehicles um you know just uh you know babysitting the load or something um but you know uh, uh, that that sort of thing is going to play itself out across the um uh, across different industries and you you can't necessarily retrain yourself within your profession either you know within this it may require you to look at at sort of completely different type of work yeah uh, you know, there's the argument for the gigging economy and things like that and and of course UBI as a mechanism but it's not it's not very straight. It's not straightforward, and uh, you know, a lot of people are going to be challenged by this for sure.
1: Well, I would add to that. I mean, it's changing behavior, right? You know, if you, if you, if you, I mean, there's going to be some form of rebellion against this. I think, you know, I think wasn't there a, a robot that was hitching across North America and got smashed up? You know, there's uh, yeah, you know, well, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. There was cute, a cute robot that could hitchhike, and then finally yeah. demolish the damn thing. I, you know, I mean,
0: I think I I see you know the robot uh, delivery vehicles that deliver groceries and stuff. I I don't know how in markets like the states they're gonna you know, until we get used to the that they,
2: they have those all over LA. I keep seeing teenagers turn them on their side or they flip them over on their head, then then the yeah. thing is stuck. It's like a turtle.
1: Yeah. but I would go, but I'd go with the behavioral aspects of it. All right, if you're finding it difficult to get a job, and maybe UBI will come in or whatever. I mean, what other reason is there for OnlyFans to be probably the biggest growing website on the planet? You know what I mean. People are just saying, "Well, I can't get a normal job," you know. Let let this, I'll just put my body on the internet, or I'll I'll, I'll do something else just to get some micro. Well, this this is the
0: argument for UBI, right? Universal Basic Income.
1: Yes. You know, but
0: uh, of course that has has other problems.
2: <laughs> we always come back to that, you know. i Um. I don't want to get in. I'm going to resist the temptation there. I'm not going to take the bait, Brett, of this time. Sorry. It's we should do a time. show. <laughs> we should do a show on the topic. We should. We should. Um, hey, so uh so Monty, one thing we like to do on this show is for our audience to get to know our guests a little bit better. We so, do a series of short questions. So uh, and these are these are questions that are about you and what inspired you and what got you started. Um and the idea is to give us short answers. So um do. don't think too much about it. Yeah. Um Brett is the person who administers the poison, so I'm going to defer to Brett here.
1: All right, looking forward to the toxin.
0: Here we are for the lightning round. What was the first science fiction you remember being exposed
1: to on TV or books? My dad took me at a very early age to see 2001 AD at the West End in London, and I still haven't recovered.
0: 2001, A Space Odyssey. I remember seeing it um, in New Zealand in 1977 with the intermission with some yeah. friends, and I lost my ticket during the intermission and, and and had trouble getting back in for the second half. But Oh, my God. Um, what technology has most changed humanity?
1: Mobile phone.
0: Name a futurist or entrepreneur that has influenced you and why.
1: Well, strangely and weirdly, Rob Turchek is the only guy that I've, uh, when I was at a conference 20 years ago, um, was talking about mobile phone use in Africa. And I thought, that's my dude because I think like that as well.
2: That's, that's nice Great of you to say. Thank you it's very true.
1: much. It's true, bro. It's true. <laughs> yeah.
0: What is the best prediction an entrepreneur, futurist, or science fiction practitioner has ever made, in your opinion?
1: Probably the Matrix. I think that I think we're in the the Matrix or the Truman Show. One of those two things. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely under a hood. Um, I'm definitely a product of a teenager's mind in 2055. I'm 100%. Recent facts have borne that out.
0: Interesting. And the last one is uh, if you were to pick a science fiction story or some sort of uh, forecast for the future as most representative of the future you hope for, can you identify?
1: I can't. I think we're doomed. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly can't. I mean, quite far, I can't think of anything that's positive. Do you know what I mean? Okay.
2: Okay. On that that sunny note, we're going to take a break. Um, Hang in there, folks, because we'll come back and we'll be more upbeat and optimistic after this (laughs) break.
0: (laughs) Provoked Media is proud to sponsor, produce, and support the Futurist podcast. Provoke.fm is a global podcast network and content creation company with the world's leading fintech podcast and radio show, Breaking Banks. And of course, it's spin-off podcasts, Breaking Banks Europe, Breaking Banks Asia-Pacific and the Fintech Five. But we also produce the official Finnovate podcast, Tech on Reg, Emerge Everywhere, the podcast of the Financial Health Network and Next Gen Banker. For information about all our podcasts, go to provoke.fm or check out Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. Welcome back to The Futurists. I am your host, Brett King, with my co-host, Rob Tursek. Uh, this week in the hot seat is our mutual friend and acquaintance, uh, Monty Munford. Um, Monty, before the break we were talking about sort of adaptation and uh, and so forth in in respect to the impact of various technologies um you know over the years you've reported on a lot of this stuff for the bbc and and so forth um are you surprised at the fact that you know when looking at these things um you know from a societal perspective we tend to be qu- quite um, unprepared for the changes that these technologies bring upon us. And we tend to debate whether or not things are going to change right up until the point it does change. You know, uh, we had Thomas Frey on, uh, the show uh, earlier a few months ago, and he, you know, he says we're we're very backward looking as a species in terms mm-hmm. of um, anticipating change and so forth. And uh, you know, you, you hear the likes of Peter Diamandis talking about the fact that people can't think exponentially. But why is it that we're so bad at really assessing the potential of these technologies and so forth and how they will change society?
1: Well, there's a question. I mean, it's all about um the thing that I've been pretty obsessed about recently is time, right? So I just read I'm one of the few people on the planet to honestly admit that I've read all seven books of In Search of Lost Time by Marcel Proust, right? Wow. everyone reads Swan's Way, reads the first one, and then say they've read it, but they've never read it. It's actually such it's so amazing that that that, that literature that you have to you have to stop reading because it's so beautiful, right? Once you get into... It's a story about a bourgeois kid in a bourgeois house that his memory is triggered by eating a piece of madeleine cake. You know, I as I was reading it, I thought, actually, you know, my relationship with time, I lived near a bus station when I was a kid. When I could hear the buses reversing, I knew it was midnight, and it was time time to go to sleep. You know what I mean? So so the way that he, he processes time is, is pretty much my God in a way, you know, and I'm, I'm uh, my name is Monty Munford. My real name is Paul Christopher Munford. And I was christened by a mate at school when I was 11 because he couldn't say my surname properly. So there is no Paul Munford on the internet. There's no Paul Munford, even my ex-wife could not marry me in the name of Paul. But I was reading a New Yorker piece recently that we, we, we are different people at different times, right? It's kind of obvious kids, you know, puberty, Middle-aged father, old, but I think it's interesting. We that maybe we should name ourselves different names as we go through life. life. You know, I'm sure Rob, you've been Robert, and I'm sure Brett, you've been you know Mr. King or whatever. BK, BK, you know that. Um. So, so when it comes to the question, when I'm going around it in a slightly convoluted way, is that because of the nature of memory and the nature of time and the fact that, as you said, we do look backwards that. It's almost impossible to tell the future, right? You know I sometimes think that I'm a vessel of time. I am just a vessel of time, and something circular is rolling around me that sometimes I, I think I can hear the future or, or see the future, maybe because I've linked that up with a memory that happened about when I was four or when I was 12, or these different iterations of oneself. you know so I think that anyone I mean I don't really want to know the future you know i want to make sure the world <laughs> what well, sort of a to are you well uh, well exactly the reluctant, reluctant futurist i'm a reluctant futurist right but i have, obviously i have a 20 year old son you know i absolutely totally want to know the future for his sake yeah and he'll probably say like it's my future dad Do you know what i mean so I'm, I'm i'm not that interested you know <laughs> it's it's my life so hey, so
2: Hey, Monty, let me ask you a question and respond to what you just said, because you're talking about the nature of time. Super good question. And the fact that the only way we can, you know, the only things that exist are the past, our memory of the past and the present moment. Like we, we there is no future. It's not written yet. It's not like it's a book. It's yeah. unfolding, right? And we can influence it as well. Um, but but one of the things I've noticed, and I've been thinking about lately because um, a, uh a PhD student at the University of Indiana contacted me out of the blue and said that he's writing a history of mobile games. Ah. And he discovered to his great interest that there were mobile games before there was an iPhone. And he somehow tracked me down and said, you ran the mobile game conference in the 2000s. Can you tell me yeah. about mobile games before the iPhone? And all of a sudden I realized like, oh my gosh, I've become history. I've be- like, yes. <laughs> like I'm, a, I'm a repository of history. And I had all of these, uh, all these old presentations from the Game Developer Conference from the t- early 2000s before the iPhone and shared that with them. And we had this kind of fun conversation, um, which ended up including some of the other people that used to work on that event with me. So I had a chance to rekindle some old conversations. And in that process, what occurred to me is we've seen this before. Like, Monty, you and I have seen this before. Every time there's one of these new technologies that's being geared yeah. up and rolled out don't you feel like wait i know how this movie ends i've seen this movie maybe this is the third or fourth it's like the avenger series you know it's like same movie again and again and again uh, but even now as the tech industry is trying to foist uh, some version of a of an ai generative ai on everybody in some fashion or another it sort of has the flavor of previous events uh, previous rollouts of technology what's your take on that is do you feel like there's a recurrence of time do you see repeating patterns
1: well, I think I used to, right? Because because you know when the internet came along, that changed my life. And then I thought, what What's the next thing? It's mobile. What's the next thing? And no, uh, I mean like you, Rob, I was at those conferences and a pioneer of mobile games myself. I mean, yes, of course. I, I worked for a localization company um, and took them into mobile games because we had two iPads and we just tested mm. a very basic form of Tomb Raider. And and the, 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 the you know the telephone wires just were red hot with Vodafone. And, Orange, even our mutual friend, I think you know, um, I forgot his name, which is terrible. Um, you know, we, we were there. You know, but but I and I thought, well, this is. I, I, I'm trying to think a bit. That if I thought of that, that as bad, that people would be sitting on their phones playing games. Did I think that was bad? I must have done. You know what I mean? But it didn't stop me being part of that revolution. I mean, we we worked for a, for an aggregator in 2007. We were stymied. By the launch of the iPhone, because we would, I did a deal with Vodafone, two million dollars a year, test all of their phones, uh, their games on Vodafone Live, Vodafone Global, um, and, and we didn't see the iPhone coming as an aggregator and a publisher. We were offered, um, we were offered Angry Birds, a 51% share of Angry Birds, um, for, for a quarter of a million dollars, and we said no. You know, um, of which you know the Rovio guys used to call us Rovio Killer. Now well, you're definitely
2: not a futurist then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A
1: loser. No, but, yeah. but, 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 so I suppose I must have thought it would, it was bad in some respects, but generally I thought it was amazing. You know, and then I saw revolutions being arranged by SMS. I saw, you know, people that couldn't hear, being able to cumul- communicate with vibration, with, with with text. You know, I thought it was amazing, but I didn't see it put in... Waves of knowledge workers or intelligent people out of work. I didn't see that. I mean, that's the that's the thing that you know. The story that you said about you know a whole team being um, made unemployed or fired mm-hmm. you know, with Tessa or whatever her name is. You know, there isn't even decent AI. You know, there's a lot of bad actors who say, well, I'll just sack everyone." I'll use that. I mean, customer service is going to suffer. Quality is going to suffer. So, mm-hmm. so, I suppose I must have seen. You know, I do think it is that things do revolve, and I think every generation something comes along. But I would go back to the conversation I had with Frederick from um, Easy Translate earlier this week. You know, he said, it is already happening. It is not happening. He said, I'm at the right of the, you know, at the kind of bridgehead of all this stuff. It has changed everything in the last three months. Already, it's changed things. And yeah. I think we're to- we're not talking about the future with generative AI. We're talking about the past. That is the weird thing, you know. We're talking, we, you know, you're, you're clearly a futurist. I'm a reluctant one, um, and we're talking about generative AI. It's going to change everything. It has changed everything. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, and it's and it's like wildfire. You know, you, yeah. you can pull any story out of any conversation that you have with anyone at a conference, or is 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 is, 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 is together with, with with it, whether they're in fintech or whether they're in, you know, any other other form of technology. This is utterly transformative. And I know that people are scared of it and I know that people are saying, the whole you know, great pioneers of, of the technology are, are stepping back. But things can't happen too quickly. You know, it doesn't matter if you're if you're fifteen or, or twenty one. The revolutions that I've seen, you know, have been slower. Uh, what, kind of, it,
2: what kind of future do you look forward to for your son when you think about your children? What do you think of the what do you yeah. think of the world they're gonna live in?
1: Well, I mean, I'm I mean, I encourage him to get out there into the world and travel, right? This my, my son is not a drifter like I've been all my life. He's a driver. He wants to work with animals, he wants to work with data, he's doing zoology at Leeds mm-hmm. University. You know, I think he's gonna have an amazing life. I don't think he's ever gonna get he's ever gonna get rich. I don't think he even cares. He has, you know, support from, from my family and his and his mother's family. You know, he's a lucky boy, and he and he, mm-hmm. he realizes that he is. You know, so I think he's going to be fine. It's the other sons that i worry about. Mm-hmm. You know, the the ones that haven't got an education, the ones that don't really know what to do with themselves. They don't get that all important summer job. You know, or they're just drifting around, you know, street corners at, at night and doing bad things and you know getting into impressionable behavior. So, okay, so, we're so going it. down
2: into the spiral again. We've got to pull. We've got sorry. i have on, on, got to be come positive. On. Sorry.
0: Yeah? You know, what about <laughs> the paralyzed guy that can walk again, right? Yeah. You know, like, yes. yeah.
2: <laughs> what about the middle-aged guy who has his young teenage son's blood? Of course. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It's easy. It's easy to do. I don't know. Thank you. Up. I think that obviously amazing things. You know, you know what I mean? Health wise, you know, mental health. I think but things like that, which is, which, but mental health has been the buzz phrase since the pandemic. Yeah, Neil,
0: Neil deGrasse Tyson, um, you know, said we're on the cusp of you know understanding the brain in ways that will enable us to um, get rid of all mental health uh, conditions, you know, um, that we we have today or or, or adapt to them. And then well, um, that can't
2: come fast enough. Yeah, that can't come because there's a there's yeah. an epidemic right now of mania. Hey Monty, what's going on in the UK with respect to Brexit? Give us like a near-term forecast for the UK. Has Brexit worked out the way it was supposed to? Um, well,
1: I mean, I will mean, put my nails, <laughs> now, you know, now my colours to the mast. I was never a, 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 a leaver. I think okay, well like that a, means
2: that means you can read. That's all that tells me.
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> it's probably a little bit more complicated. There's people I respect that that, that wanted to, you know, they wanted to wanted to wanted to, wanted to leave. Probably because of immigration and, and things like that, you know. But I'm I just think it's the biggest, longest suicide suicide,
0: worst economic decision that Britain Ever. has made in its in its lifetime.
2: Yeah. Has, not, the U, its has the UK reestablished its trade arrangements with with Europe, or are they still being hammered out? I can't. We kind of lost the thread here because the US stopped covering it.
1: Well, hopefully, generative AI will make those decisions a lot quicker. You know that maybe it's one benefit it might sort out brexit yeah that's it that's that's the takeaway from this discussion Hmm. um is that generative ai is going to help us with brexit it's just slow man you know it's just slow and and it's just i've got a friend of mine who lives in enniskillen which is on the border of northern ireland and ireland and it just it's just ridiculous You, you know what i mean if he wants to bring anything over the border You know, Enniskillen used to be bandit country in the day. You know, lots of things went across that border that were not, you know, tables and chairs, if you know what I mean. I I just, I think that there's a fatigue here of a a conservative party that was utterly entropic. Um, It's been run by buffoons, um, and everyone's had enough.
2: Why don't you tell us what you really think?
1: No, well, (laughs) listen, the the thing about it is that how you know, come the
2: opposition can't get it together to come up with a decent candidate?
1: Well, they've got a decent. Guy. He's a decent guy. He's got a knighthood. He's a lawyer. You know, he's not very charismatic. But who wants charisma after the charisma that we've had over the last three or four years? Yeah, Boris <laughs> Johnson had plenty of charisma. Oh, dude, honestly, I once, I was once in a taxi. You know, married. you know,
0: I, you know, I interviewed Boris Johnson for Breaking Banks a few years ago really? before he was before he was Prime Minister. That was that was fun.
1: Well, I was in a taxi, but he was Lord Mayor, and I saw him in front of me on my bicycle, and I was very tempted to throw something into his spokes of his wheels, and I sometimes wish I'd done it, you know, like like the bloke he (laughs) should have killed. Could have
0: solved a big problem for
1: the world. (laughs) <laughs> yes, man. Monty, I, Monty, I think you're depressed. I, I think you're
2: depressed, man. You're like, I'm not depressed, no.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm in a state of utter joy.
2: But Monty, here, here's the thing. So we were promised this bright, bright future, right? The people who were in favor of Brexit spent more than a year telling everyone how it was going to be better, how it improved national yeah. healthcare. I remember having a conversation with a, a conservative person in the UK uh, over dinner who said, the uk is going to become like singapore we'll reduce the taxes to flat 15% we're going to become this free trade zone a center of innovation and i was like no kidding where's your lee kuan yew cuz you need to have like a benevolent dictator yeah. to pull that trick yeah. off yeah. and Absolutely. at the time it was boris right that was who that was the prime minister but he was very very sunny um now years have passed uh, the chickens have come home to roost, right? The returns are in. The UK economy is not doing better. It's, I think uh, it's very simple. It's yeah. you know, and I'll let
0: Monty jump in, but uh, you know, it's very simple. You, you don't cut off your biggest trading partner. Okay, so, right? Okay, in, in, I'm with you. In, but but you know, what about
2: people in the UK? Tough I mean, immigration
1: policies. Right? Has
2: that message sunk in? Have people realized that they were that they were basically lied to? Has that message resonated?
1: Well, I think I think there's a lot of people that realise that it's that in spite of their polarity that they wish they'd voted differently. But you, you use Lee, Lee in Singapore. I mean, I mean, I remember a quote from, from Anthony Burgess saying, "You know, go to the peace, peaceful, unmalarial haven of Lee's Singapore." Dot dot dot. Where 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 men with long hair are visibly thrown off the streets and thrown into barber chairs, that type of fascism. Yeah. You know, I think that that part of it is definitely part of the UK at the moment. I was driving the other day, you know, just stopped off at a service station near Oxford, and there was a huge orange sign that said, thank you for visiting this service station. Your number plate has been taken down and recorded. And it's like, is that that's not a benevolent dictator. That is a threat. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, and, and that there is there are elements of here, especially on the roads, with so many cameras, like six million, you know, speed cameras, that there is a form of an island state after Brexit, right, with mm. the very bad things of it. You know, I'm not, I am, I'm not. Uh, how can I, as a Brentford fan, whose whose team was in League Two 10 years ago and is about to finish. In the top half of the premiership, how can I be a pessimist? I love I love the future, especially when it comes to Brentford FC. But there is a there, <laughs> there is a there's a feeling here of fatigue.
0: What it's about being, Wrexham and, and uh Yeah, Wales. but that's
1: not as much no dude, that's just that's Wales, mate. This is like proper London, you know what I mean?
0: Proper London. Yeah. So so Monty, um, I do want to sort of bring it back to the futurist stuff. Um, At this this part of the show, before we wrap up, what we like to do is like to get a bit far further afield. So, um, you know, 20, 30 years out, let's get a bit sci-fi. You know, what excites you about that future? What concerns you about that future? What what do you think, uh, um, you know, some of the things we're going to have to deal with over the next 30 years that are, are going to challenge us? Huh?
1: Well, I think you're going to have to deal with uh, North v. South as opposed to East v. West. I think, think that's going to have to be sorted out. I, I, I have a friend who works for an American military contractor said, you know, f- forget about, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Terminator. It's already here. You know, they're doing stuff in Somalia where they're choosing a, a patch of ground and sending drones to kill everything in that area. Coming soon to a Ukraine near you. You know what I mean. That type of thing is going on. But again, you know, on the positive side, if we have kind of cloud computing and we have AI and we have the mind of the human all put together, this there's an amazing things. You know, you, you talk about a world for my son. He's going to live for a long time unless he's unlucky. Yeah. You know what I mean. He's going to live for a long time. He's probably going to live for 50 years longer than I have. Yeah. You know, those there's challenges there. But, you know, the world is a beautiful place, man. You know, the sun comes up every day and it's usually beautiful when it comes up and it's usually beautiful when, it's, when it goes down. It certainly makes a human think about life as much as someone who's sitting around a fire or smoking a cigarette. You think about fire, you think about warmth. Being human is amazing. Do you think
0: right? the, Do you think these changes will make us more human then? You know, because well, it, it will it will get us away from the distraction of capitalism and the grind, and enable us to explore what it is to be human.
1: Well, what it might do, Brett, is it might tip it in favour of good over evil. I mean, because that's the dichotomy, and that's the that's the world that we live in this manichean world between good and evil. Right? You know, I've, I'm I'm good. I, I think I'm, you two are good. Most people I know are good, with your toss tosser involved. You know what I mean? But, but anything that can – I mean, it's like you see Fla- –
0: Flawed, but we try our best.
1: Yeah, but I don't want it to just be like, oh, that's so flawed. It's so human. It's such a trope, you know, of oh, humanity's beautiful, but it's flawed. Why should it be flawed? Why can't we make it unflawed and make it – that's almost an admission that, you know, uh-huh. you, 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 you're, you're, you're bound by your species or bound by your birth. I, I don't believe in that. I believe now, – now I'm being really positive, right? Is that I think it's a, it's a everyone wants to improve, right? They want to improve the situation of their family, they want to improve their intellect. I'm just I'm reading As You Like It by Shakespeare yeah. at the moment, because I didn't know anything about Rosalind. It was, sounds like a bit of a bitch, actually. Do you know what I mean? And to be fair, Orlando Orlando's a bit of a bitch as well. Do you, you know what I mean? But that, but that I've got I've I've got to, I've got that to, to finish when I go back to when I go back to my flat. You know what I mean? I've got another eight books that have arrived in the post. Can't wait to get stuck into them. I just read Proust, for God's sake. There's so much that's amazing to be human. And I think that's what I'm trying to say is that even though I'm a bit terrified of generative AI, I am not going to ignore it, and I'm not going to be bemoan it. I'm going to be part of it, and I want other people to be part of it as well. And harness this for good, not for bad, because it could certainly be used for bad.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's a that's a great note, positive note to finish on. Um, where can where can people find out more about you, Monty? And I know you you're working on some uh, you're doing some writing and and so forth at the moment. Where can we uh, keep up with what you what you're working on?
1: Social socials really. Uh, it's it's Munford M U N. By the way, everyone gets it wrong. I, I bought a wallet uh, at Smithsons uh, on Bond Street about three weeks ago. And say you know. And that, they got my initials wrong there. So it's M-U-N, Monty Munn Ford. I'll, just I'll put, make
0: sure I remember that for my next uh, book.
1: Just put, uh, yeah, and you, I, I write a credit in your book, Brett King, and you spell my name wrong as well. I forgot about that.
0: I already paid my dues for that, bro.
1: <laughs> you did. You pay for the dinner. I'll give you that. You know, what I, mean? <laughs> but I just wanted to put it out there. You know what I mean?
2: <laughs> for the record. Hey, listen,
1: Rob. I'll come to London. I'll come to LA. You know, let's be lucky to see you. You know, it would be great. It
2: would be great to see you. I'm going to be busy though because I have to go feed all seven volumes of Marcel Proust into Chat into GPT four and ask it to summarize concisely. You
1: terrible man! (laughs) You (laughs) terrible, terrible man! That is that is. I'm sure
0: you could ask Chat GPT to do that already. Actually,
1: Uh, read that book. It's absolutely beautiful. It took me two years.
0: Well, Monty Munford with an N yeah thank you for joining us on the futurists and uh uh, we wish you all the best for the for the future. That's it Absolutely. for the Futurists this week. If you've uh, if you've enjoyed the show, give us a shout out on social media. Um you know, mention Monty in your tweets or your posts. Um and, you know, and uh, you know, let us know who who you'd like to have on the show as a guest. Um that that helps us to uh um you know, sort of think about uh, the pipeline of, of shows that we can we can bring to you guys. Um you know, and if there's specific uh parts of the future you'd like us to explore, let us know via social media as well. Uh, But our thanks also go out to the team at Provoke Media for uh, their support of the show. Kevin Hershen, our audio engineer, Elizabeth Severins, our producer, and uh, the the entire team at Provoke. That's it for the futurists this week. But you can be sure that we will see you in the the future.
2: Well, that's it for The Futurists this week. If you like the show, we sure hope you did. Please subscribe and share it with the people in your community. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. That really helps other people find the show. And you can ping us anytime on Instagram and Twitter at at Futurist Podcast for the folks that you'd like to see on the show or the questions that you'd like us to ask. Thanks for joining. And as always, we'll see you
1: in the future.